want you to imagine with me, if you will, that you are the member of the first Christian church that has been established in Philippi. You've been there since the beginning. In fact, you knew Paul and you knew him personally. So you love this church and you love Christ and you love Paul. And you've gathered together on a, a Sunday, maybe, and you're, you're together for worship. And somebody comes in and says, we have a letter from Paul. He's written to us. And you're very excited because you've been praying for Paul ever since you've known that he was in prison. And so Paul puts together this letter. So you settle down and you start listening. And it's a very tough letter. There's some very pointed things in it. But you agree with most of it, and you kind of nod your head, and maybe even you say amen every once in a while. But then towards the end of the letter, something happens that makes your head pop up. All of a sudden, as he seems to be closing his letter, you hear your name. And he's not only just calling your name, he's calling out the name of someone that you've been having just a little feud with. All right, well, maybe it's not such a little feud if Paul has heard about it. And so Paul calls you out in a letter that he has written from prison. Can you just imagine that happening, sitting there and listening and hearing that? But that actually is what happened in Philippians. Now, it would be easy for us just to take this uh, one event and say, well, that was just for them. But in reality, the words that follow that call out are important because they help us deal with the times that we also might be having a little disagreement with someone. In fact, these words kind of are principles. They help us know what to do when someone in a pew doesn't get along with you. Let us pray. God, thank you for this time together. Give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear, and the heart to understand what it is you want us to learn this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The two people mentioned here by Paul in this passage are two women named Iodia and Synthache. And we don't know what their problem was with each other, only that they were not getting along, and that the word had even reached Paul about their fight. Now, as a result of their feud, the peace of God seemed to be missing from that church in Philippi. In fact, twice in this passage, Paul mentions the peace of God and how to obtain it, how to get it back. But here's the question. Why is this important to Paul? Why would it be important for that church or any church for that matter to experience the peace of God? Well, the fact is, God wants us to have peace. Jesus talked about leaving us with peace. One of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. Peace is a mark of the kingdom. It's a result of living a life centered in Christ. Not only that, the peace that we would have in our own lives and in our church is an example to the world around us. For the world is not about peace, is it? We know this. The world is about violence and illness and anxiety and worry. And so when we have peace in our own lives and in our church lives, we are living examples of what a relationship with God can look like. 
Which obviously begs the question, what kind of example are we showing to those around us when we don't have peace? Iodia and Synthetae were not at peace with each other. But that happens, doesn't it? Life together can be tough. In fact, life together can at times, shall we say, be a little grating. When we live life together, we tend to bump into each other and we can rub each other the wrong way. It's almost like two cinder blocks. I almost brought two cinder blocks here to show as an example, but you know what I'm talking about. You put a cinder block down and then you take another cinder block and put it right up on top of it. And even if you move that cinder block just a little bit, what's going to happen? Ugh. It's going to grate, and there's pressure. But you know what? A wall is being built. Something beautiful is happening. But when the two cinder blocks bump into each other, it's going to hurt, and that happens in our lives. We bump into people, and it grates sometimes. It's not just people in the church. It can be anyone. It can be a family member, a coworker, a classmate, Life together can get messy. And of course, we don't want a fight to place to take place. We have good motives most of the time. And so when we do clash with other people, it creates worry and anxiety in our lives, and it takes away our joy, and it puts our minds on things that they should not be on. And in extreme cases, it stops us in our tracks from doing what God wants us to do. Now, the world handles these types of situations differently from us, doesn't it? You see, the human, the worldly option of dealing with those who are quarreling with us is to do what? It's to denigrate them, to put the other person down. It's a very natural and human thing to do, to take the object of the person that you're disagreeing with and just basically slam them, put them down. But when we do that, when we belittle the other person, it lifts us up without having to do the hard work of examining ourselves. It's the easy way out. I have a feeling that this is what was happening at Philippi. The situation between Iodia and Synthetia had most likely devolved into a she said, she said, with sides being picked and each woman trash talking the other. Maybe this is why Paul had to call them out by name. But I'm glad he did, because in doing so, he gave us some wonderful rules for living together, ways to bring the peace of God into our lives and into our relationships. So what should we do when we find ourselves in the same situation as these two women in Philippi? Well, first of all, we see in verse 4, the command to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Interestingly, this phrase is a plural phrase. So instead of it being you individually rejoice, it's actually y'all rejoice together. It's plural. So one of the ways that we combat the tendency to grate on each other is to praise God with each other. When you start rejoicing in the Lord together, it makes it super hard to sit there with your arms crossed saying, well, I'm not going to rejoice if she's in the room. You can't do it. How can you rejoice if your arms are crossed and your your neck is up and you're all tense? It cannot happen. So when we rejoice in the Lord together, we cannot help 
but shed the grumpies, right? How can you stay upset with someone and grumpy about them when you are praising God? It just cannot happen. Rejoicing in the Lord, praising God, thanking God for who he is and what he's done will take our eyes off of our problems and hopefully give us a better outlook once we leave worship. First step, rejoice together in the Lord. Next, in verse 5, we are told, let your gentleness be known to everyone. I call this the don't be a jerk verse. <laughs> we really don't know how Yodia and Synthachi were treating each other, but we can guess that it was not with gentleness. Being gentle is the opposite of being a jerk. And let's face it, when we are in some sort of a fight with someone, we can be real jerks. The word gentleness means what is right or fitting, what is equitable, what is moderate or reasonable. It means being kind instead of being mean. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit, and it is the way Christ deals with us. Being gentle goes a long way toward bringing the peace of God into your lives. Tell me, what happens when someone acts like a jerk to you? What's the first thing that you want to do? Act like a jerk right back, right? You want to match their level of jerkiness. <laughs> and then what happens when you come back with your jerkiness? They do the same thing, right? And all of a sudden, there's this escalation that takes place. That's the opposite of being gentle. One of the ways that we are jerks when we're disagreeing with someone is to basically shut them out. We stop talking to them. We walk on the other side of the room so we don't have to walk by them. We do everything in our power not to connect with them. But letting your gentleness be known means somehow staying connected to the other person even though you're grading on each other. It means continuing to speak in a kind way. It means asking how they're doing and how their family is. It means engaging in real conversation and in the same way, some way, connecting emotionally. Now, this is hard to do, especially if you think you've been wronged. But Paul is pretty clear here. Don't be a jerk. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The third step comes to us in verse 6, where Paul writes, Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So this step is, don't worry, pray. Now, I can imagine that the feud between Yodia and Synthachi was causing quite a bit of stress and anxiety in their lives. I wonder if you've found this to be true as well. When you're having some kind of disagreement with someone, some feud that keeps simmering, it, it ties up your gut. It makes your stress and anxiety increase. It can keep you awake at night. It makes you worry about your next encounter and what you're going to say. This kind of worry can certainly affect the peace in your life. So what's the answer? Well, it's easy just to say, well, don't worry. But Paul knows it takes more than just willing yourself not to worry. It takes actually turning those worries 
into prayers. So when you are in a stressful situation with another person, pray for them. Every time you think of them and remember how mad they make you, pray for them. When you see them and you just want to run and hide, pray for them. When your anger boils up inside of you and you just want to scream, pray for them. And what to pray? Well, pray that they will be blessed. Pray that they will be able to see, that you will be able to see God in them and that they will grow close to God. Pray for their family. Just find a way to pray. And when you do so, you'll soon notice the tightness in your gut start to relax and the worry about the situation start to recede. And maybe you're just maybe on your way to repairing the relationship. In verse 8, we see the next step to make sure that we're living together in harmony. Paul says, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's face it, when you're involved in a feud with someone, our thoughts do not usually match the thoughts listed here by Paul, do they? We tend to think thoughts uh, that are less than honorable, more focused on bile than truth, the opposite of pleasing and commendable and excellent. And if we're honest with ourselves, these thoughts are anything except being worthy of praise. You know, I can just imagine Eodia and Synthesy sitting there before Paul's letter was written and just sitting on opposite sides of the room just thinking evil thoughts about the other person and then being snapped back into reality when their names were called and admonished to think about things that they probably were not thinking about just a few minutes before. But why is it important for our thoughts to be set on things that are good instead of things that are less honorable. Well, I think it's because Paul knew thoughts have power. Now, one thought popping into your head that's not honorable or pleasing does not have that much power. And to be, it's actually quite normal and part of the human experience. The thought comes in and then it goes. We all have thoughts like this from time to time. The problem comes when we latch on to those thoughts when we mull them over and over in our minds, it's then that they start to become corrosive and toxic. It's at that point that they become powerful agents in our lives. When we hang on to these types of thoughts, it will always lead to more of the same. And eventually the thoughts will become action. The thoughts will manifest themselves in deeds. Paul said in another letter, set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. What he was saying here and here in this passage is that thoughts are important. And if we want to learn how to live in peace with God and with our neighbor, then we need to learn how to think about whatever is honorable and excellent and praiseworthy. We need to learn to develop the mind of Christ. Don't you kind of wish you knew the rest of the story of Iodia and Synthesy? I mean, did they make up? Did they get mad at Paul for calling them out and leave the church and go start their own somewhere? 
Did they continue in their fight? Or did they do the things that Paul suggested? And in so doing, gained the peace that was missing from their lives and from the life of that church. We don't know what happened to them. But we do know that the principles Paul laid out apply to us just as well today as they did originally. When faced with a situation where you are in conflict, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be known to all. Don't worry, but pray about everything. Think about what is true and honorable, what is just and pleasing, what is commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. And the result? Peace. Peace with God, peace with each other, and a light that shines to a world that is in desperate need of peace. God, we admit to you that life can get messy and we bump into the people around us and it can be hard and grating. We can get in fights and feuds. We can get knots in our stomach. And all of that is not your peace. And so we ask that you will give us your peace and teach us how to live with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.